0: Excludes in-store clearance.
1: Welcome everyone to a special draft recap edition of the NBA podcast. Uh, my name is Brian Tapork. I am joined today by my usual co-host, Morton Jensen, along with Beal Breakdown draft expert, Jeff Fair. How's it going, guys?
2: Doing well. Yeah. Um, well, outside of the Brexit thing, Brian, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered.
1: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Morton is in Copenhagen. He lives in Denmark, so you can blame him on twitter for the global economic meltdown that is happening
2: that's unfair this is the brits man
1: good Uh. good point take your aggression out on mark deeks (laughs) (laughs) so ignoring the catastrophe that is happening in the world we are here to talk about the nba draft which happened last night uh It pretty much went as expected, at least in the first two picks. Ben Simmons went to the Sixers at number one. Brandon Ingram went to the Lakers at number two. And then. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's employee of the month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the. Uh, As Jeff and I talked about leading up to the draft, the Celtics were really the fulcrum at three. There was a lot of talk about whether they would trade the pick, keep the pick, who they would take if they kept it. And as we were getting closer and closer to the draft, it seemed like my Sixers and your guys' Bulls were in a bidding war with the Celtics at number three. Turned out that, according to ESPN's Mark Stein... The Sixers offered Nerlens Noel both of their late first round picks and Robert Covington to the Celtics, but they were hot after Jimmy Butler. So guys, I mean you're the Bulls fans here. Did you want to see Jimmy go last night? And what would you have wanted in return?
2: Well, okay, so let's just let's just clarify this in a way that everyone understands. Basically, Philly wanted Boston. Boston wanted Chicago. That's like the classical love triangle <laughs> in grade school, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, no, I actually like if I wanted to move Butler, and here's the thing: I, I mean, I would have preferred to put on the full rebuild, meaning that trading Butler, but I would have wanted a very, very strong package for it. For Boston specifically, I would have wanted number three, Amir Johnson, for salary purposes. Number sixteen, twenty-three, and the pick swap in twenty seventeen. That's not like that. That's where I where I would start my negotiation. I I could have survived if the number twenty-three pick had been removed, mm-hmm. but at a bare minimum for me, number three, number sixteen, the two thousand seventeen pick swap, and Amir Johnson. That's like the bare absolute minimum for me, and I actually think that mm-hmm. would have been a great deal. And I'm just gonna include our very own own snotty Drippin here because i had a chat with him prior to the draft and james was like you can have all the picks i just want jimmy which was like that that was like making sweet love with me when he said those words that was amazing because that's exactly what i wanted i wanted all the damn picks uh, apparently the bulls did not uh find common ground with boston i think casey johnson from the chicago tribune even put up a tweet saying that the Celtics have a tradition of wanting to win trades, so they really stuck it to the Bulls mm-hmm. and that's why no trade was made. So yeah, that's that's what I would have taken for Jimmy Butler.
1: Yeah, what about what about you, Jeff?
3: That's I'm along the same line as Morton. Um I mean, I it starts with that uh, obviously getting the number 3, but it's that two, 2017 Brooklyn pick. It's yeah. just, I mean, it's going to be extremely valuable. It's a better draft. The Brooklyn is I mean, Brooklyn has no one Right. Uh, outside Brooke Lopez. Um, so you kind of know where that's going to be. But I think it, it all started with those two picks. And then getting whether it's you know Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, and Jay Crowder, none of those guys are going to move the needle as far as a rebuild goes. But at least they're young, useful, contr- cost-controlled assets that you can have a, a, a semi-decent team around. But I was all for tr- trading Jimmy Butler. But it was, like Morton said, it really had to be for the – absolute right package so if boston was going to get him it was going to be the number three plus next year's number one um plus you know a few more picks and then maybe one or two cost-controlled players but you know i i for all the grief that we give gar Forman, rightly deserved um i, I like the fact he's kind of slow playing it now mm-hmm. he wasn't going to settle for a, a a halfway decent offer and i think that's Danny Ainge wanting to win a trade is, is ridiculous at this point because yeah. they need to make some kind of bold move in order to thrust them up atop the East. Otherwise they're gonna be stuck with, you know, twenty five guys in their roster with no one that can carry the weight of the other guys.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed.
1: And if they I mean, there are a couple of things with Boston, especially you know they reportedly offered the four first-round picks last year for number nine, which was gonna be they would use it on Justice Winslow, but it turned out to be Frank Kaminsky. So they're working from a position where like everyone knows they're desperate. It's the same thing that's going on with the Sixers trading one of their big men. Like their value is depreciated because everyone knows they are hunting for a star. So I'm with you guys. Like Danny Ainge needs to just bend over and take it. He needs to just say like. I'm not going to win this trade. Like, I'm going to have to consolidate a bunch of assets and I'm going to lose value, but I'm going to get the superstar that I need to actually move into that realm of like a real title contender. And here's
2: the thing he screwed himself by actually taking Jalen Brown over Chris Dunn. Yeah. Because at least if he had taken Chris (laughs) Dunn, you could have had like later conversations with the Bulls over the course of the summer. Right. But he took Jalen Brown. And two, draft and stash players. Like, right now, there is no incentive for the Bulls to, to go after, to pursuing that deal. Of course, outside of the fact that they wanted the 2017 pick swap. But, like, they, they wanted Chris Dunn. That was their guy. That was the guy they had at the very top of their draft board. Ignoring, of course, Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram. And if he's not in play, then that lowers their interest dramatically. Meaning Danny Ainge just duck himself a hole.
1: Yeah, and I i mean, if they were just going to piss away their first-round picks anyway, like, why not just get rid of them, right? Like, I i yeah. like what they did in the second round more than I like what they did in the first round. Mm-hmm. And for and sure. I still don't even like what they did in the second round, because they traded Deonta Davis and then Rade Zagorac for a lottery-protected 2019 Clippers pick, which probably, you know... It, depending on what you think happens to the Clippers over the next couple of years, that's either going to be in the like mid to late twenties, or they're just not going to get it. It's going to turn into a second rounder. Like it, it was just, if Deontay Davis falls to 31, that dude was like a top 10 prospect on most boards. Jeff, I don't remember exactly where you had him in your college only big, big board, but I feel like it was in the 10 to 12 range, somewhere around there.
3: It was, it was top 15. Definitely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I was shocked that he dropped. Uh, I, I, you know, he didn't get a lot of playing time in his freshman year. And I think it's the same issue that Scale had a little bit as he dropped that, you know, these freshmen come in and they don't get a, I think we talked about it in the draft podcast. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of playing time their freshman year. And I think teams are becoming, I don't, I don't want to say smarter, but they are they want to get more more tape on these guys to see what they can do. And they just didn't have that with Deontay Davis because he just – and like check Diallo too. That's another guy yeah. who dropped a little farther than the, probably his skill level would indicate – uh, but back back on Jalen Brown, um, I mean the funny thing is too, and, and you mentioned it with more, you mentioned it with just taking Chris Dunn. Jalen Brown makes no sense on their roster right now. He just yeah. does, he doesn't. I, I think at least if you take Chris Dunn, you have some interesting trade chips in Isaiah in, with him and then you have Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart, so you're dealing from a strength. Well, adding Jalen Brown, they needed shooting. Jalen Brown's one weakness is shooting. They have Avery Bradley and, and, you know, R.J. Hunter who can hit outside shots right now, and they don't play R.J. Hunter. So it, it was very, very interesting to see that they uh, they took Jalen Brown there because at least with Chris Dunn, you're then stockpiling at the same position that you can deal from, and then if you take another guy, or if you take a guy like Dragon Bender or someone up front where there is a weakness, then you're adding to the team. So this made sense on no levels to me. <laughs> yeah,
2: you, you could even, like, say that regarding Jalen brown he's a good defender so he fits into like the makeup of boston mm-hmm. but even that excuse doesn't work because chris dunn is a good defender himself so like there's there's no way boston can spin this to anything that makes even a remote uh, that even makes i'm just gonna redo like that last part Brian. Yep. there isn't any way boston can spin this into making remotely sense basically I mean, Chris Dunn is just the better overall prospect. He Offensively, he projects to be a lot better. And while there was a shooting knock on him, 37% from deep still beats the 29%, I think, Jalen Brown shot last year. I mean, it's, wow. Boston, man. I, I get why Snotty got upset. Yeah, in our in our internal thread, he he compared the boss he compared the Celtics to a gingerbread house, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, like like that, it was that amazing. Was with a, rot, yeah. a rotting
1: gingerbread house. I think you can find yeah. it on his. Uh, I'm sure he tweeted it or yeah. put it on Facebook. So check. you definitely
3: put it on Facebook. because yeah. I
1: was reading it last night. But yeah, it, it,
3: the the luxury that the luxury that you should have when you acquire all these first round picks. The point of getting all these first round picks is so that you don't have to win every trade. Right. They're there as additional assets that you can use to uh, augment any deal that you're you're proposing, so you don't have to give up more of your core. I mean, you have addi- you have a ton of additional picks, and they are certainly valuable to teams that are looking to rebuild. Yeah. So his his want Danny Ainge's want to win every trade is a little disconcerting to me. I mean, that's they had a chance to make a, a big move, and you know if you add Butler to you add Butler to Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, whoever else they kept, whether it was Avery – I mean, they would have kept Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, at least some combination of those guys. I mean, you have something interesting in that.
1: Yeah, and I, we we saw with the Minnesota Timberwolves, so Chris Dunn at number five. And then we saw apparently uh, Chicago and Philly started a bidding war for him. Like um, an AP reporter – I'm not even going to bother trying to say his last name uh, – said that Philly was offering the same package at three – that, or at five that they did with to Boston at three. He didn't add specifics, uh, but we can assume that's the same Covington, Noel, and the two late first-round pick. I think that's what he was referring to. And then Boston and Minnesota, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, were, you know, at least through the lottery, were in, like, legit talks to go for Dunn. Can you guys believe, if it was really just Chris Dunn and Zach Levine and minnesota turned that down there's no way right so
2: no so here's the thing i i made a tweet that got the attention of a lot of wolves fans um because at the time the rumor was Sack Levine and five for 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 jimmy and i said no way there here's the deal you you go wickens and five for butler otherwise there's no dice and wolves fans came at me big time yeah. and i get why yeah. i get why but they also have to appreciate the fact that the Bulls shouldn't just give up something of tremendous value just because. So, it it was a no-win situation. Like, the Wolves are never going to give up Andrew Wiggins uh, with a pick, or, or maybe not even Wiggins himself for Butler. Right. And the Bulls are not going to give up Butler for just sack Levine and five. And even if you throw in Gorgi Jang, you know, no dice. So, this was just a bad trading partner. Yeah. And i think both teams realized it like they probably spun the ball around a little bit came up with different names and they realized you know this doesn't make sense nope it doesn't and so be it but i man that was the highlight of my evening the 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 (laughs) amount of puns and jokes that came from from tips basically holding chris hostage for a few minutes that was (laughs) wow that that was that was some great fun man yeah it was pretty i really i I want to hear those
3: tapes of the of the trade conversation, if there oh, was any. Man. Even though even though Gar says and that was the most ridiculous thing of the night, I think is that you had multiple, you know, people I consider high level reporters saying that there was dealings going on with the Timberwolves, yep. and then Gar Foreman to come out and say, "Oh no, we had absolutely no discussion tonight about Butler. <laughs> we didn't think about it. He's a member of our team." Well, that's that's a flat out lie. Unless you're, I mean, uh, there's yeah. either six, there's either all these reporters lying to us or Gar Foreman lying. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you who I trust more. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, right?
1: Wick, uh, I don't know how you say his first name, but Wick Grousebeck, the Celtics co-owners, played the same card. He was like, we were nowhere even close to trading number three. We're we're not going to get ripped off. Like, okay, shut up. Like, just, (laughs) you were clearly in discussions a lot to trade number three. But let's turn our attention to the other big trade of the night. OKC shipped Serge Ibaka to Orlando for Victor Oladipo, Ursan Eliasova, who has a very lightly guaranteed contract, but it sounds like they're going to keep him, and the number eleven pick, your boy Jeff Sabonis. I can't tell you how much I love this deal, um, and
3: it's not—it's not just for Sabonis. It's um, okay. Bringing Oladipo in essentially means that they're not going to throw big money at Dion Waiters, yep. which is extremely important. Um, I think a guard rotation of Westbrook, Andre Roberson to play that that D position that you saw him kind of excel at in the playoffs, and then Oladipo to be that, you know, if they run a two-point guard offense and and be that bench scorer, if that's indeed how they are going to proceed, is is much stronger than having waiters there, worrying about whether or not he's going to go off for a one-for-20 (laughs) night. Or, you know, Uh, but I think it's an interesting way to proceed because they're – essentially getting rid of that, uh, you know, the third core part, um, uh, to bring in three, you know, players that can, that can join the rotation. And they're, they're really building the bottom of the roster yeah. and developing the bottom of the roster to show Kevin Durant. It seems like that they're going to have sustainable success mm-hmm. for the duration of his career. Yeah. It's not going to be, and Bach is a free agent after next year too. Yeah. I think it's right. the biggest thing. Right. Um, so I there's a lot of pieces at play there that I really like to deal for the Thunder. And in, in some respects I, I like it for the magic, but I mean I think they give up gave giving up an Ola I'm a I'm a big Ola fan mm-hmm. um and a big Sabonis fan, but and I I think I commented last night. I mean Stephen Adams and Sabonis up front are basically gonna be lead blockers yeah. for Westbrook <laughs> and Duran on the way to their hoop. I mean they're they're gonna rebound, they're gonna be tough down low, and it's gonna be formidable. So I really like this deal for the Thunder.
1: Yeah, yeah. What about you, Mark?
2: Remember that scene in Dumb and Dumber, where um, Harry and Lloyd part ways a little bit, and then Harry goes, "Just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber, <laughs> you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself." That's Sam Presti right now. Yeah, he pulled out like the best trade he's pulled out, maybe ever for yeah. for his standard. I mean, that's. Man, that was good. Like Sabonis, I'm I'm equally as high on him as Jeff is. I absolutely love him. Um, not as high on Oladipo as Jeff, I think, but still, I like the guy, and I think he's got a lot more potential than what he's shown. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, Oklahoma City wins this deal hands down. But I do think that people are crapping unnecessarily on the Magic because they are they're using a flawed argument. They're saying that Serge Ibaka has declined in recent years. Yeah, yeah right. statistically, so, but that's because of the setup in in Oklahoma City. He's a very good player, right. and you know, least we forget, this is a guy who can shoot from the outside, score around the rim, he can rebound, he can block shot. I, I mean, he's gonna like refine himself in Orlando, I think, and potentially mm-hmm. earn an All Star nod. So, if they can keep Ibaka around next year right. I mean the, I, sure why not I mean it's not that stupid but I still think the Thunder won the, the trade and pretty handled
1: yeah I'm with you guys I think it's a clear win for the Thunder it's like the exact opposite of what the Cleveland Cavaliers used to do like the first time LeBron James was there like instead of trying to build out and like round out <laughs> their roster they would go and like make splashy like Antoine Jameson and Shaq and then Mo Williams and
2: Larry Hughes. Yeah, like
1: totally ignore <laughs> young good players in the Thunder. Yeah. Like I'm just so impressed with the way they've continually retooled around Durant and Westbrook. I mean, it sounded Ken Berger of CBS Sports had a column about why the Thunder did it last night, and obviously they he said they ran it by Durant and he gave his blessing. Like I, that was a thing I saw. Like, oh, I guess huh. KD's gonna leave now. Like, no, they they're not making that trade without. Clearly running it by KD. Yeah, uh, it sounds like Ibaka just wants a bigger role on offense and wasn't happy in OKC and was probably going to leave next year anyway. So it's kind of the same logic the Bulls used with trading Derrick Rose. Like it's a one-year rental. Basically, we need to treat it that way. Let's get let's be ahead of the market, get some assets for it that will be here long-term. So, props mm-hmm. to Presti. Uh, I mean,
2: it's. Like, Did you have to bring that up, Brian? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you have to bring that up? Like, I I don't mind this trip, but that's I, I've seen Rose in way too many Photoshopped jerseys lately. It's 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 hurting a little bit. I
1: know. I'm sorry, guys. But yeah, yeah. for Orlando, cool. my big concern is that, like, isn't Aaron Gordon best at the four? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
1: so why are you trading for a guy who is also going to play the four? Unless you're going to put Ibaka as your small ball five, which... Yeah, you are. I can get behind Yeah, you are. yeah I can get behind that. But it, it seems like you're creating a positional logjam for your best prospect, which is somewhat questionable. And then, I mean, there's a, you know, there's the flight risk. Like that dude, Abaka easily could leave. He's going to get maxed out next year. Even though the free agent class is a lot stronger next year, the cap's still going to jump again. Like he's going to get a massive contract uh, from Orlando. Yeah, I hope so. I mean.
2: I I think they're going to max him. I don't think they do this right without you know thinking about it and knowing full well what they're ready to commit to. Yeah, and that's a max contract. And here's the thing: minor hot take, not not even a hot take, maybe, but Nikola Vucevic is not a magic player by the end of this summer.
1: I think that's fair. Uh, There are fair. Yeah, there are enough teams. Like if Dallas strikes out uh, on the free agent market for centers, like if they miss out on. Dwight and Horford and Whiteside and all those guys like they badly need a center. So I could see, you know, a team getting desperate. Hell, the Knicks now don't have a starting center unless you. Uh, what's the guy's name? Willie Hernan Gomez is coming over, so I guess he is their starting center right now. But
2: it's funny, I was thinking about the Knicks because, but but here's the thing: they don't really have anything to give up. Yeah. Like Okay, they could absorb Vucevic's contract, but they would have to give up like a first round pick and future considerations. Right. I mean. That They are not going to give up any picks no. in the foreseeable future. I don't think so. I mean, I, I could be wrong. It's the Knicks. But, no, nah, I, I just don't think that's the case. Yeah. But, but you're it's, right. I mean, so many teams out there could go for them.
3: It's really odd with Orlando and how they're building their roster. Because, I mean, you look back a year ago, they had, you know, Vucevic and Oladipo and Gordon and Hazonia and Peyton and Tobias Harris at the time. <laughs> and, and now you look at their team and, I mean – it is just baffling what they're doing, and I don't know if <laughs> yeah. this is at Frank Vocals at his whether it's his call working with Hennigan or or whatnot. But you know, having Vucevic's contract on the books and essentially having you know waste. I mean, Gordon is twenty years old, and now you're you're moving him around again. They they couldn't decide where to put him his first two years, and now he's going to go into a third year not knowing what's going on. So it's it's very very. Confusing is what Orlando is doing, but I, I would agree with Morton too. I think if they can find a destination for Vucevic, and I mean that contract is going to look pretty good for what he provides. Yep, you are going to have prob- oh, yeah. you are going to have problems on defense, but he's going to score. Yeah. So I mean, do you look at a team like team like Houston, mm. who's not going to have Dwight Howard there anymore? A team like Portland, who's been rumored looking at centers. Um. So I think there oh, are like going to be viable viable bidders for him, and I think that their pursuit last summer of Uh, It was Paul Millsap, I believe. Yeah. And they've talked about being interested in Al Horford. Yep. Well, I mean, Al Horford and Serge Ibaka together, if they're going to throw the max deal at Al Horford, well, then you have something. Then you have to deal Vucevic. But I'm just very confused in what what Orlando's doing.
1: Yeah, free agency is going to be really crucial for them to kind of make sense of what their roster, like what their identity, what the hell they're doing. So, we'll. we'll, Mm. We'll keep an eye on them in the coming weeks, uh, guys. Let's let's now actually turn our attention to the draft. Now that we talked about trades that did or did not happen, <laughs> uh, I mean, the first nine or so picks went about as expected. You knew there was, you know, a class of guys at the top like uh, Beyond Simmons and Ingram. You knew Bender, Murray, Hield, Dunn, Marquise, Chris, uh, and yeah. Jalen Brown were all going probably within the top eight. You had to figure Jakob Pertl was somewhere in the nine to twelve range. He went to Toronto at nine, and then Milwaukee at number ten took Don Maker, and everything just went to hell quickly thereafter. So
2: shit got crazy. Yeah.
1: So give me your biggest <laughs> surprises from the night, starting with there presumably. Uh,
3: number th- number thirteen. Yeah, Georgios Papa Yes. yes. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I. I I'm not going to lie to you. I know Draft Express has a video on him, mm-hmm. but he is someone I didn't look at at all. I mean, at <laughs> all, what, first or second round. I, I had no idea, and I—that's the Sacramento pick that they're getting in the in the Marquise Chris deal, right? So, uh, Sacramento, once again, welcome to the show. <laughs>
1: I, have, I have
3: no idea what was going on there. You had guys on the board. I mean, you had Wade Baldwin, who was the only player they reportedly brought in for a workout that right. was rumored to go in the lottery. Right, he was sitting there for you. Yeah. So either he looked at Vivek the wrong way when he went into the <laughs> Sacramento facility, and they didn't want to take him anymore, or they're just they're just really confused about how to turn the card in for the player you're selecting. <laughs> so I had no idea what they were doing there, and that that is just stands out to me. Is I mean, Thon Maker at ten is is kind of crazy, but when you hear everyone talk about how polarizing he was, some people loved his upside, some people were down on him. That you can you can at least argue for that one. Yeah. But the only one that stood out to me in the first round is being totally off the wall. Was papa Giannis. Yeah. What about you, Martin? Yeah.
2: I agree entirely. Like I I get the thon maker selection to a certain extent just because of the hype alone. There was a couple of rumors leading up to the draft that he was in fact somewhere between twenty one and twenty three right, years old. Right. He was reported nineteen, but those reports were fairly quickly refuted. I think that's at least what I saw. Yeah. So I think Milwaukee is convinced that he's nineteen years old, and when you have that body and that skill set that he does, um, then I I understand the selection, especially due to his intelligence as well. When he was interviewed by the Vertical. And by the way, just just an off topic here, the the, the vertical did a wonderful yeah. job covering the grass mm, yes. last night. Like, please, dear ESPN, realize this. You fucking suck, and you need to give the rights up <laughs> to the vertical like right now. It's so bad. I don't want to see Jalen Rose compare anyone to anyone ever again. Stop it. Yeah. Stop oh your god. Yeah. I was, was so I was
3: going to throw something at my TV when he when he yeah. compared. <laughs> uh, oh God, what was the comparison? I. Got up and was like, "How can you put this guy on TV and say that he knows what he's talking about?" Him and Wilbon Agreed. both. The best. The best part for me was him and Wilbon both trying to or guessing the picks when they've been announced ten minutes prior. And Billis is clearly looking at his Twitter account, guessing <laughs> the picks correctly. That was amazing yeah. to me because wow. the only guy there that seems to know what's going on. Reese Davis is just steering the ship, but. I mean, Billis at least gives you analysis of the guys, which I think is... I, I've always loved Jay Billis. Yeah. But the other two,
2: just unbelievable. I, I'll be honest. I actually began muting. Yeah. And then I just had the, the vertical uh, thing going on in the background instead. I, I thought it was... I, I'm just going to be real for a minute. I thought it was embarrassing for the worldwide leader to, to put it up like this. They just they tried to attract the lowest common denominator with all those comparisons and flashy uh, mm-hmm. mantras. And what, there were no real analysis involved. It was just a couple of guys horsing around for five hours. <laughs> it was embarrassing. It's just an embarrassing display of media. And this is coming from someone who studies media production. So I, I thought it was <laughs> like, man, the, I would actually take last night's ESPN's draft To showcase it as to how to not broadcast anything. My God.
3: Okay, well, back to the picks. (laughs) Um, It was it was Jalen Brown to Tyreek Evans was the comparison.
1: Oh Lord. Oh Lord. I mean, it's not
3: even close. They don't play the same position.
1: Yeah. I I honestly didn't even have the ESPN broadcast. Like I muted it immediately before they even took Ben Simmons because I was you know the vertical thing started thirty minutes before the draft and I was like oh wow this is actually really. Enlightening, and I figured, you know, Woj would be on top of all the trade rumors. And I just, you know, I knew ESPN was going to be 15 minutes behind anyway. So, yeah, I I missed all of that, but it sounds like I missed nothing. So that's good to hear. But, yeah, let's go uh, back to our beloved Vladi Divac.
2: Yeah, I mean, all right. Giorgio's Papadianas, I had looked at him for a a little bit. I thought he was intriguing in terms of his size, and it does seem like he has pretty good. Mobility for someone that size he seems like he has a pretty good grasp with the game but at 13 like the only way i can sort of allow this is if sacramento just fell in love with him and knew that the bulls or nuggets that were coming up after them had him in mind mm-hmm. you could suggest that the nuggets maybe had some interest because they are always looking abroad right so that's like the one area where it makes sense but if if a report comes out over the next couple of days saying that no one no one works considering Papayana's until at least twenty five maybe even thirty, then it's completely incomprehensible why Sacramento did this um, yeah picking someone who's essentially called Papa Johns I mean that's. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I uh, I wrote a thing for FanSided about the hardest names to pronounce, so that was the only reason that I actually knew who he was heading into the draft. Uh, but you know, I, I like a lot of those guys that I included were all I thought second round picks, so it was that was fun to see him go thirteenth. But you know, I, I honestly like it, I, Chris Towers of CBS Sports. I think said this last night, and I completely agree. I loved what the Kings did until they started making picks. Like, flipping Marco Bellinelli for 22 (laughs) was amazing, especially given the value that dropped on the board at 22. Like, I'm not a huge Malachi Richardson guy, which is who they took. Like, you know, I thought there were other better values there, but at least, you know, Malachi Richardson, you have cost control of four years compared to Marco for two, whatever. Like, that's a good deal. 13 and 28, considering the values that fell, considering Scal was on the board at 28, Deonta Davis was on the board at twenty eight. Like, Marquise Chris is no sure thing. I mean, hopefully he pans out, but in the snake pit of chaos, that is Sacramento, there is no way that dude was going to be good anyway. So, like, props to Vlade for recognizing that and saying, I'm gonna, (laughs) you know, get value out of him. I'm taking the best player available, but I'm going to get value out of him. What baffles me is you already have Boogie, you have Willie Collie Stein, and you have Costa Kufus. So why are you taking two more setters? Like, did you guys see <laughs> Boogie tweeted after they took Bapianis? And he I think he's get, put a little prayer sign and said, like, Lord give mm-hmm. me strength or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like
2: mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That is so Boogie. And here's what I really love. People started getting on his ass for having immaturity issues and locker room issues. Like that tweet was appropriate, yeah. and I don't care what you yeah. say. Like that's fair. If I'm a star and my team drafts the living hell out of my position, I'm I'm putting that tweet up, and I'm I'm in the right there. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's look. Vivek Ranadive one suggested that you should play what was it four, four on five, five yep. defense because then you could have someone cherry picking. Yep. This is his vision man. He's going to go against the small bowl for, for for sure. Like DeMarcus Cousins for point guard next year.
1: Dude, I'm worried. They're That's... coming after the Sixers. The Sixers were cornering the market on the all 6-10 lineup, and now the Kings can counter. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I'm a little bummed, but it, it seems like they are paving the way for a boogie trade with all this stuff. That that would be my read into it. I mean, I have
2: Hello Boston. Yeah,
1: I have no inside info, but I I don't know how you spend, you know, Lottery picks on setters in consecutive years. I mean, I think if you if you flip the picks, if you say they took Scal at thirteen mm-hmm. and then Papianis at twenty eight, it's like okay, I can make peace with that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a little bit better because you know Scal was mostly mocked in that late lottery range anyway. So getting him at twenty eight redeemed the Papianis <laughs> pick in some regard. But yeah, like Jeff, as you said, Wade Baldwin's there at thirteen. You know, you've got. Rajon Rondo, who's probably going to bounce, like mm-hmm. uh, 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 Kings. Yeah, it,
3: it made it made no sense to me. It made absolutely no sense, and I'm not shocked by it yeah. because nothing they've <laughs> made sense, right? But I and they've got. If you look at their starting lineup, I mean, you've got Collison, Mclemore, Gay, Cousins, Collie Stein. Like that's a that's a decent looking starting lineup with a with a real head coach now. I mean, that's going to I mean, George Carl, let's be honest, was once he had some pushback from any of the players, he checked out. Oh, yeah. yeah, But that's, that's a decent starting lineup. But to say they, they were given an opportunity to bring in some young players that contribute right away, and they just couldn't do it. And I, the Kings, God bless the Kings, because they make the Bulls not look as good. <laughs> yeah, Kings good at Kings. So,
2: so I have a question. Was Marquise Chris's Sacramento career more successful than George Carl's?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He, he got them scalp. So no matter how that pans out, he got them at least some positive return, which you cannot say about George Carl.
2: I feel so bad for Tom Siller. Yeah. He was I know. so <laughs> excited when Marquise Chris was was it became a king he was like oh perfect and the trade was announced like 2 minutes later and he was like oh oh
1: well cuz originally shams reported it as just 13 plus the rights to bogdan Bogdanovich for 8 and then it was like, oh my god, Kings. <laughs> you yeah. you really just did that. But then right. then it came out later they got numbers. Bogdan is good though. Yeah. Bogdan
2: Bogdanovich is good though. So that's like fair, but, but the Marquis... you're, you're, Chris just makes sense alongside Bogdan. You're though, not right? dropping
1: five spots in the draft just for the rights to Bogdan. Like that's Exactly twenty eight yeah. and the twenty twenty second round pick, that makes more sense. But oh. Yeah. So alright. So we, we got through our Ritual Kings bashing. Give me your best picks of the draft now. We'll start with you, Jeff.
3: Uh, best pick of the draft. I mean, I love Jamal Murray going seven to yeah. to Denver. Yeah. I mean, most of the. I, I would say all of the picks in the top nine, nine outside of Jalen Brown made sense. Yep, and all play fits to the team. The Timberwolves one, and I talked about this in Dennis Podman a little bit. Was it, it's a little questionable because they have Rubio and Dunn does fit what. Thibodeau wants to do mm-hmm. but positionally they needed shooting right and they weren't And healed and Murray fell into their laps mm-hmm. and would have felt would have fit that need really well and would not have been a reach so they wouldn't be just been drafting for need so that was that was a little interesting to me but again Dunn does fit the kind of guard that Thibodeau would prefer a defensive minded guy but I liked you know I like Bryce Johnson going 25 to the Clippers yes uh, I think yeah. I think he's going to be able to come in and, and step in immediately, and I'm surprised he dropped that far. Um, Henry Ellison going 18 to the Pistons. Yeah, um, I mean a lot of a lot of value later in the draft. I, I mean there was I mean I cannot believe Demetrius Jackson fell 45 to the I Celtics. I know. I mean he went to a team that doesn't need him. Right. But, <laughs> right. Um, but I would say I, you know. Malik Beasley, number nineteen. I mean, the Nuggets. I I really like what the Nuggets did. Yeah, they cleaned up uh, and mm-hmm. what they've done the last few years And getting. I mean, we have Murray, uh, Beasley, Gary Harris, and Moody in the backcourt, and Will Barton in the backcourt now. I mean, you've got great potential there. Uh, Hernan Gomez. They've got they've had good success with Nurkic and Jokic as far as the international scouting and the front court players. Yep. And you still have Galanari, Farid, and Wilson Chandler. Is is veterans there that you can either deal or, or play. So I like what they're doing. But I think those those three picks, if we're talking like you know later, you know later first round picks, those are three that I really liked. Yeah, with Beasley, Beasley Ellinson, and Bryce Johnson. Yeah. What
1: about you, Martin?
2: Yeah, I'm in the same boat there, especially with Denver. Like, Orlando should take a look at Denver and see how they did it, mm-hmm. because Orlando is screwing up their rebuild, and Denver is like sneaking on the the radar here. They, they are on their way to being Boston good yeah. in terms of, of g- gaining assets and knowing how to utilize them. I really, really think they're this, this um, sneaky good story that's going to come out of it. But obviously, and Brian, when you asked one like, of the best value picks in the later round, I, I knew what you were going for, there, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. You, you wanted us to mention <laughs> Jeff was just clever enough not to take the bait, but I'm gonna I knew do exactly it. what was going on. And I saw it. <laughs> yeah, the that's names, what I'm saying. I'm you like, didn't take nope. the bait. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna mention Luau or Corkmass, <sighs> but yeah, you know what? I'm gonna do it just to not give Brian the satisfaction of going on a 10 minute glowingly uh, review of the draft here. Yeah, please do. Luau at 24. That's like nine spots lower than where he should have been. Yep. Furkin Corkmass. You know, he's not. I don't even know if he's coming over this year or he's not. not. I don't think he yeah, is. He's no, he's not. And it doesn't even matter right. because this guy is like an Evan Fournier copy, but with more athleticism. Mm-hmm. I, I like him a lot. And he's got this uncanny way of creating shots in the paint as well. He just needs to get a little bit, bit, bit biter, bigger and, and more skilled, not more skilled, sorry, more developed in terms of his body. Yeah. And I. Man, I mean, Philly, I'm giving them, like, an A-plus for this draft. Yeah. They just came through all the way. And now Brian is not allowed to talk about the Sixers <laughs> for the rest of the podcast. I'm just
1: I'm <laughs> saying, like, two sentences. I've got a longer thing going up at bballbreakdown.com uh, about what the Sixers did and how I just – I mean, going from at the start of the draft, we're about to trade Nerlens, both of those first-round picks, and Robert Covington for Chris Dunn, who, like – you know, he's a great player, but questionable fit alongside Ben Simmons, especially if you're going to make Ben Simmons your full time point guard. To saying no to any of that stuff, keeping, you know, standing pat at 24 and 26, especially when all of these, you know, really good values are falling. And they getting, like, honestly, I think Luau and Quirkmaz, they're best player available, but they also filled a huge need. Like, you need mm-hmm. yeah, wings who can shoot. And, like, like, these are both, you know, prototypical three AD guys. Who like those are what you need around Ben Simmons. Like you, it basically seems like the Sixers are legit committed to Ben Simmons as their starting point guard, just at four, which is awesome.
2: What's the opposite of the perfect storm? No storm at all. Yeah,
1: it was am- yeah, amazing.
2: Okay. But that's that's it. And you know, here's the thing. I actually, I never thought I'd be saying this. I take my hat off to Brian Colangelo yep. for this yep. one. I, I okay, so but. Here, I, I do think that he actually took some lessons from Sam Hinky. Yeah. I do think he looked at what Hinky did, saw like what the potential of it, and tried to build on it because you just know that on his own, I don't think he would have gone that route. Right. It seems, so, yeah. At all. It
1: seemed like so pro. Like, it was a, like a targeted thing for the process supporters. Like, all yeah. of us on Twitter, when we go on the board at 24 and the wow, we were still there, like, go check sixers twitter's timeline from then and everyone is saying take luau take luau and they did <laughs> and we were like yeah what <laughs> you know
2: yeah that's you just saw
1: so many I... weird picks in the teens you're like oh they're gonna take like you know some russian dude we've never heard of like some you know just overdraft the hell and no it, 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 they just they nailed it so i was very happy about that, but
2: uh, or Karis Levert,
1: yeah. Uh, oh, I like mm-hmm.
2: him. Oh, but wait a second, he wasn't there, yeah, was he? No, he
1: went because he
2: went, the Nets decided they wanted to spend the 20th pick on a guy who may crack 50 games a season, possibly.
1: You know, Look, it, I like him. I mean, he, if, if he's, I do too, if he's healthy, it's those, a big, it's a gamble, yeah. but like the Nets have no talent, so. You could question whether trading Thaddeus Young to get that pick and then spending it on a high risk player is worth it, but you know, I mean, I, I don't yeah. totally hate it.
2: I love him as a player when healthy, but man, that's a huge gamble for a team that was sorely mm-hmm. lacking of young of young players yeah. and and like mm-hmm. getting on a rebuild. This if he is damaged for a long while. And is one of those guys that are continuously limited to fifty games this season, forty the next. Maybe have one where he breaks sixty-five. Yep. That's uh, then. Then I probably would have gone in a different direction. I do think that had he been on the board, he was picked one before. I think they would have gone Malik Beasley. Yeah, I,
1: mm-hmm. could
2: you? Could you guys have seen Malik Beasley? just tearing it up in in Brooklyn because there was no one else around yeah he would have averaged Mm -hmm. like 21 in the first season well that's
1: yeah Isaiah Whitehead who they took in the second round is gonna be that same way like that dude's gonna he's gonna go off for 20 points as a rookie he's gonna be fantastic I I can't believe neither one of you guys mentioned DeJunte Murray for the Spurs like how the hell every year it happens every single freaking year yeah like there's one prospect who falls way further than he should, and he always ends up on the Spurs. And like that dude's gonna be awesome. You know, he's gonna learn to shoot. Uh, what uh, skip whatever his last, or whatever his last name is. Their legendary shooting coach who like taught Kawhi how to shoot. I mean, gonna work with Murray now. Murray's gonna be their like Tony Parker replacement long term. He's gonna be amazing. Uh, I, that one was a huge steal for me. We mentioned Deonta Davis earlier who went to the Grizzlies. You know, that's awesome. Awesome depth behind uh Gasol and Zebo. And that
2: Wade Baldwin and Deonta Davis in this draft from from Memphis. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so huge. Yeah. I love what they did on draft. night. of course they lucked into it somewhat. Right. I mean, Wade Baldwin shouldn't have been there at 17 and Deonta Davis definitely shouldn't have been there at 31. Yeah. But they, tra- I mean, they traded for him, I believe, and I mean, hats off to the Grizz, man. Yeah, they saw what was unfolding and decided, you know, we're gonna get this guy. Yeah, I, I love it, love I, it. I liked,
3: I liked what the Grizz did, but not as much as I, I could have. I, I they needed shooting, and it, Baldwin's a decent shooter, but I mean, with Malik Beasley sitting there, I would have much rather, you know, got him. But I understand Baldwin because they, if they're if Conley's not coming back, right, they needed someone to step in. The Deontay Davis is great value. Yeah, and they're going to need people to fill in. You know, once Randolph and Gasol. I mean, Randolph's going to be thirty-five. Um, so I, I like that pick. And then on the uh, on the Nets, uh, I love this. I love this right here. They have seven guys, if you count Lavert, under contract for next year. Oh my gosh! And only three of the, only three of them are under twenty-five. Oh boy! And that's Chris McCullough. uh Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Karis LeVert. So no one exactly that you would count on as being a, a franchise builder. And then uh, on the Spurs, I mean, when the board was falling the way it was, I, I'm Jontae Murray's going to be interesting because he makes he does make a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And he's a young player. And it's going to be interesting to see how Pop brings him along because he's not necessarily the most patient with young players. Um, I thought that Tyler Uless or Demetrius Jackson there yeah. would have been just the perfect fits as far as guys that have led a team for a a successful team for a number of years and fallen right into, you know, the Spurs and what they do, but that not, that hasn't been the MO of the Spurs. They, they draft and there's no, they don't have a rhyme or reason to what they draft. They'll draft international guys. They'll draft, they're just good at what they do. So like you guys are saying, I mean, I'm not, I would not be a bit surprised if
1: Murray is, you know, the future point guard and replacement for Parker. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's just I saw him mocked as high as like ten to the Bucks. So I think that's just, yeah. at that point it's just, just best best player available, depending on how you feel about Deonta Davis. The other two that I really loved, Patrick McCaw to the Warriors. Are you kidding me? Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Like they they a lot of their bench is about to become a free agent, so they really just need to tear up the whole damn thing, basically. But they get. Damian Jones, the center from Vanderbilt, who you figure is going to replace Festus, and then McCaw, yeah. like that. I think um, I think Leandro Barbosa is a free agent, so McCaw just slides in right there. Like he's that, and they the Bucks sold them that pick. Like it, it wasn't even mm-hmm. their pick; they just took two point four million dollars. That is blood money, Bucks. You just. Seal, you, you you sealed another title for Golden State in the next 3 years cuz because is going to be that kind of impact player off the bench and aside from that I love Demetrius Jackson at 45. I don't care that Boston has 7,000 point guards. He that's That's just, that, yeah. That, yeah that was that was just too good of a value to and and then That's
2: where as as a Bulls fan I'm pissed, Brian. Yeah, I saw you I'm were going for 48. He, here's the thing. The Bulls had 48th, right? Yep. If they could have bought the pick that Golden State bought for $2.4 million and gotten Demetrius Jackson, who's a Notre Dame guy, which we know Paxson likes, yeah, right. then we wouldn't have taken a guy who has an extra goddamn bone in his foot <laughs> and needs to have Adidas make him a special suit to not remove the pain, but lessen the pain. But mm. no, that's not an issue. That's not but, a goddamn I'm thing. telling you, I... I've been I'm an Illinois
3: grad and I felt Illinois basketball the most, but I I've been a Notre Dame fan since I was born. So I've watched most most of Demetrius Jackson's career in great detail and just love him as a player. And I try to remove my personal bias for the teams I root for out of it, but I was doing Dennis Podman while we the second round was progressing and at one point I think I got distracted and there's a point where I don't talk for like five minutes because I'm looking <laughs> at the board, hoping Demetrius Jackson falls. And I I that would have made so much sense for the Bulls to do. And I mean you had his backcourt mate Jerry and Grant already on board. Oh good point. and they, they they worked so well together in Notre Dame when they were there. I mean, you've got a young, viable backcourt then, but Alas, we have Ball
1: Zipser. Yeah, yeah. That, that happens. I mean, I would... And Jose Calderon. Oh, don't even mention him. Don't even mention, yeah, him. That... Don't even mention yeah. him. I, I don't want to yeah. bring that sad, sad time up. I mean, I, I'm i with you guys in terms of wanting to move up in the second round or buy a second round pick. Like, uh, Brian Cojigelo, as much as I loved what he did last night, he was meeting with reporters while the second round was going on and I'm seeing Demetrius Jackson falling and I'm seeing the complete lack of boycats <laughs> on the roster. And I'm like, dude, like go back to the war room. Like you can have this press conference after number 60, go buy a damn pick and get Demetrius, like buy it from a, you know, a team in the late thirties, early forties. Cause that, oh man, that was just an insane value to draft, And then my last guy, Kay Felder going to Cleveland, like I know he's really small, but
2: I wanted that guy too, man. <laughs> Why the heck that? This is just I am I, look. Here's the thing. Uh, just before I go on 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 a major rant because it's not really worth it in the second round. I like Denzel Valentine the 14th. That's the most important thing. Yeah. So I'm satisfied overall with this draft just because of Denzel Valentine. But that second round, man, the Bulls just messed up. There were there were guys there that were ready to play. Mm-hmm. Kay Felder ended up on the de- now defending champions. Like, he was right there. This was the the leading assist guy, one of the best scorers in the nation. He can get to the line. He's strong as a bull. No pun intended. He can shoot. Man, I, I don't get this. Yep. And then, like, the f- $2.4 that could have been spent on moving up to get Demetrius Jackson instead, and you go for Paul Sipser. That's, that's <laughs> what you go for. That's just... Come on now. I mean, when,
3: the, when the second round started, there was I mean a ton of guys, a ton yeah. of guys that I thought would have been viable options and would have made sense in the first round mm-hmm. that were still there and were I thought were worth you know spending a first or at least trying to buy a second round pick. Yeah. Whether it was, I mean Diallo and Euliss and Brogdon, uh, Diamond Stone, Steven Zimmerman, Demetrius Jackson, uh, Ben Bentel. Uh, oh, Kay yeah. Felder. Those are just some of the ones I pinpointed. And I, it's, it's a very interesting, it's, amazing, it's a bigger conversation in that you see a lot of these successful college players get moving farther down the board than you thought they were going to go. Mm-hmm. And more international players getting intertwined. And this has been a long-running trend. But I'm wondering if the, the expansion of the D-League and the ability for every team uh, eventually to have their own minor league team and bring these guys along slowly and bring in... Getting international guys over here and with their own basketball development people is is becoming increasingly important, and bringing the college players in um, is becoming increasingly not. They're really more teams are willing to take those risks, and, and once they get these these very raw, bad, good basketball players in here with their own basketball development people, I just wonder if that's going to be a trend that we continue to see because right there there's a ton of guys i could see actually getting minutes for the bulls next year yeah and i of course yeah. i'm looking at it through, through my bulls lens. but for most teams for sure i mean there's a there's a chance that there's a ton of second round picks that that are on or getting minutes for nba teams next year
1: yeah i think this this draft was weird because so many teams mm-hmm. had three or more first round picks like boston had three philly had three denver had three phoenix had three before they traded so like you almost had to draft a couple draft and sash guys in the first round like perhaps more so than usual and you know boston probably took two philly took one um denver probably took one i I don't know if hernan gomez is coming over right away so i think that contributed in part to it but yeah it it set a record right like the most international prospects drafted in the first Mm -hmm. round last night i think it was 14 so it's a good point i mean like if you're a high school prospect, like you're almost better off going overseas at this point because you don't want to go to college and get your your flaws exposed as it so it seems. Um, but so we we talked a lot here about best picks. Let's go to the worst picks. We've already mentioned uh, Papianis, Morton. You you had some beef with Levert at twenty. Uh, anyone?
2: No, well. Yeah, that's, that's it's not the it's just the entry. Yeah, right, I mean, right. right. Yeah. That's fair.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, it just it's a risk that didn't necessarily need to be taken at twenty. We can put it that yeah, way. Makes sense. But any yeah. any other picks stand out as really bad ones to you?
3: None that jump off the screen. I mean, I no. I thought a lot of it made sense. As weird as we thought some of it was, I I thought a lot of it made sense. There was really nothing that uh, jumped out at me as as too. Crazy, um, I think the. Um, uh, I just I'm still baffled by the Jalen Brown pick at three, <laughs> yeah. um, and not because I, not because not because I don't like Jalen Brown as a player. I mean I had him number seven. Yeah, but I, I just I don't understand what they're trying to do because it doesn't make sense if you're trying to trade for Butler. It doesn't make sense on your roster. It doesn't make sense in a lot of regards. Um, so, But other than that, I mean, I thought there was a lot of, uh, uh, for as crazy as we said it was, it, there's a lot of stuff that made sense last night. I mean, I love heeled to the Pelicans. I, yeah. love, I, I love him oh, playing so with good. Anthony Davis. That's going to be great. Um, I like the fact that the Raptors took Pirtle mm-hmm. because it means they're not going to throw $18 million a year at Biombo. Right. Um, and you still don't know what Alan Judas is. I actually, I love the Hawks getting both Torrey and Prince and DeAndre Bembry to play on the Wings. Because they're they're trying to get that it was really that um, missing Damari Carroll last year seemed to hurt them. Even though Baysmore stepped in, and played pretty well. You've got Corver and Cephaloche that are over thirty now, and you've got now you bring in two players that are athletic on the wings and and can do a good job there if they bring back Horford. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that made sense last night. I think A-win. Malachi
2: Richardson at twenty two, yeah, was mm-hmm. kind of a stretch. Yeah. I I, I mm-hmm. don't like his efficiency. I love, I like his build. But I question whether he can get, I mean, if he was inefficient in college, I question whether he can get the shot off and improve it in the NBA. Mm -hmm. But, you know, outside of that, it's not like I would have taken him, like, in the late second. I probably would have gone with him in the early second, so it's not too far of a jump. Uh, Gershon Yapuzeli, Mm -hmm. number 16.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. (sighs) All right, so I, I get the pick. I get it, but I do think that Boston reached for him yeah. at sixteen. Mm-hmm. But it could be a similar situation as the Kings if they knew that someone was interested in him, like at 17, 18, or nineteen. That they thought, okay, then we have to take him now because that's just the name of the game. But I mean, could you imagine like Henry Ellison in Boston? I know, yeah, that's exactly what I was huh? thinking.
1: Yeah, it, it, that's a th- I, like I think a lot of these picks make sense, but especially, like, the international guys in the teens, you let a lot of value fall to the 20s unexpectedly because you reached Mm. on some of these guys, like Yavusele, Mm -hmm. like Papianis. I don't know that much about Hernan Gomez, and I trust the Denver scouting more than (laughs) I do the Kings, so I'm not going to (laughs) crush them for that. But, like, yeah, exactly. Henry Ellenson would have been, like, Boston doesn't have a front court right now. Why not bring in a guy who is going to contribute right away? It, it yeah.
3: seems like they just said, okay, wow, we have 20 guys on the roster. Let's start taking international guys to stash them over there. Right. Because we can't have any more guys. And this goes back to the point of why did Danny Ainge need to win the trade? Yeah, right. You had yeah. the ability to fortify your roster around Jimmy Butler once you trade some guys away. There was, like like Morty mentioned, said there would have been great in Boston. Yeah there's a ton of guys in the front court I mean Bryce Johnson in Boston
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh yeah. developing yeah. scale in Boston it just there's there's front court guys there Diallo I mean there's a ton of front court guys there that could have made sense it just Boston it seems like you're beating a dead horse but <laughs> I, I just just their overall night was the only one cuz as I think we mentioned the Kings did at least something that was redeeming and getting a 22nd pick for, for Bellinelli but and they at least picked two guys with decent upside and and more to mention, I, you know, I didn't like Malachi Richardson's efficiency either, mm-hmm. but I'm curious to see if that was more about the Syrac- Syracuse team he played on than him as a player. Yeah. But at least they got guys in Richardson and scale. There were, that could have been lottery picks. And the Boston is really the only one that I sit there and go, wow, I have no idea what their plan is.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: All right. So before we wrap up here, uh, let's give some team-wide uh, biggest winners and losers. We we've talked about really loving what Philly did, what Memphis did. Um, I I, th- I believe you talked about liking what Philly <laughs> Morten, did. Morton brought it up first. I know <laughs>
3: only only because he didn't want you to bring it up.
1: Yeah, to preemptively. He's being nice. Yeah. <laughs> so with those two we we like Denver a lot. Anyone else stand out as a a winner from last night?
2: Obviously, I think it's it's Philly, yeah, but like, yeah, clap. clap. <laughs> You're so proud right now. I'm actually going to say Minnesota. Okay. Chris Dunn's falling to five. Yeah. That's pretty great. Good. So I, I really like that for them, and I think this opens up the possibility of trading Ricky Rubio. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like Ricky. I do too, but I do think in this new league where you where shooting is crucial, you need to... Consider who you're putting out there a point guard. For sure. And if you want to maximize the effort of Towns and especially the development of Wiggins, you need to have guys who can drain the long ball. Chris Dunn at least projects to being a more capable shooter. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he is also a defensive minded point guard and he's athletic, I think he could be an all star. Um, so I really like that at five for Minnesota. Losers. Let I mean, let's just let's just take it right off the bat. We 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 talked about Boston. Yep. That's like the biggest loser of the night. Even though I really dig what they did in the second round, you just mm-hmm. that first round went to went to hell, and they just limit themselves uh, themselves to like future for future trades. They can't pick up the Boston or the, the Jimmy Butler talks now. They just can't. It's it's bye bye Jimmy Butler by choosing the players that they did. I'm not. I think Sacramento should be on, not, not necessarily the losing list, but in the bottom tier of the well-received list. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Denver should be counted among the winners. Memphis, as we talked about, Wade Baldwin, yep. like Deonta Davis, I like that. Um, Jeff, you mentioned the Hawks. I like that a lot. I didn't even think about it, really. That's actually a pretty good point because Korver is like older than dirt now. And Sabo Cephalosha is getting his legs broken by the New York Police Department, which means that you don't really know <laughs> how long he's. Uh... I, yeah. I tell
3: you, one team one team I actually really like that may be a little outside the box is Phoenix. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, Yeah, good one. I mean, I think they're they're putting together a decent squad. If you look at their roster as a whole and, and the two guys they picked last night, they had no front court depth behind Chandler and Len. Yeah. Uh, and they go out there and they pick, I mean, I, I think I described it as them swinging for the fences, so to speak, uh, with Bender and Chris. Because you have two, they're, you know, high-risk, high-reward guys, but you see the potential right there. So you have a front line right now of, of Len, Chris, and Bender for the future. Yeah. And that's pretty impressive. And you couple that with, you know, a pair of young guards and Bledsoe and Knight. I'm sorry, a trio of young guards of Bledsoe, Knight, and Booker. Yep. And then whatever you get out of TJ Warren on the, on the wing. That's mm. that's a decent little squad right there, and at least they you have some sense of uh, of what they're doing, and then they let the bar they they took a gamble, a calculated risk by dealing back into the top ten and not sacrificing that much to do it. Yeah, I think if they would have given up Knight or Bledsoe to do it, I would have looked at it a little differently. But they have three really good guards. They have a fortified front court, and I they have money to I believe they have money to spend. If, I, yeah. if I'm correct, yeah, yeah, yeah they they've do. Got a they got about. They have thirty, about th- over thirty million to spend. So yeah. I like what Phoenix is doing.
1: Yeah, and they got Ulysses in the early second round too at thirty four, which is oh yeah, and
2: I didn't even mention old that. All Kentucky,
1: yeah, yes, all Kentucky. Yeah, so that was yeah, I was,
2: seriously, Brandon Knight, Booker, Knight, Blenzo. Blenzo. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Phoenix definitely Ar- came out Archie Goodwin. Oh yeah, it's five Kentucky. Ar- guys. Archie oh, Goodwin
2: God. too. That's right. Coach Cal's wow. definitely
1: taken over there. She just. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Earl, Earl Watson is holding a spot. Yeah, right. That's, exactly. And yeah. I completely forgot Earl Watson was the head coach until they flashed it last night. I'm like, oh, yeah. wait, Earl Watson got hired. Yeah. I I'm, I yeah. totally missed that.
1: Yep. Yeah. The only other team that stood out to me in a good way was Golden State, just because I was such a Patrick McCaw fan, and getting him at 38 oh, yeah, sure. and Jones mm-hmm. at 30. I mean, those are like those are two productive. They're probably not going to be starters anytime soon, but like two prot- productive rotation members. For a near NBA champion, at, you know, at thirty and thirty-eight, it's like worth its weight in gold. So, and, and they signed McCall already, I believe, to a two-year deal, two-year fully guaranteed deal. So, like, there's not wow. going to be a yeah. uh, a KJ McDaniel situation where he holds out and does the one-year deal and becomes a restricted free agent. Like, hey, they've oh. got him locked up at least for
3: the next two years. So, props to them. They just need. The- they just need Draymond to light a fire under Damian Jones. Because <laughs> just Damian Jones. Is, Damian Damian Jones is all the ability in the world, but every time you turn on the Vanderbilt game, he just was like, it, it seemed like he wanted to be somewhere else. Trey's just
1: gonna so, kick him in the nuts a few times. I'll get him going. There you go. That's a perfect <laughs> combination.
2: We for, we forgot a team though. Who is that? In terms of winners, because the we Bulls. have to look at the whole picture. <laughs> the Thunder. oh uh, yeah.
1: Yep. 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 They're yep, right, right
2: up there. They got Sabonis yep. and. And uh, Victor Oil depot man, Sabonis is one. It was one tough son of a bitch, yeah. mm-hmm. and he's smart. And he re- look. This is a guy who has a wingspan that's that's uh, uh, lesser than than Wade Baldwin's, <laughs> and he's averaging twelve rebounds a game. That's mm-hmm. hard and hustle. It's it's the kind of motor that they need in Oklahoma City. He can shoot it a little bit. He's got excellent court vision. Combine that with the fact that Victor Oladipo is now going to be on the wing instead of Dion freaking Waiters, yeah. and I say that the Oklahoma City Thunder are looking damn good. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
3: that is very true. And yep, we keep mentioning winner. We keep mentioning winners, but a simple one is the Lakers.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, oh yeah,
3: they just they yeah. they all they had was take Brandon Ingram, yeah. and they did, yep. and now they have D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, and about sixty million dollars. So
2: yeah. Well, they also got Ibaka subak That's also a good good pick at 32. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I like him a lot. He, he's he's uh, he, he's one of those players who can fit into the new league. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and he's a big wide body. I, I, I really enjoy their draft. But the, you know what? You're actually hitting on a good point here. Just making the obvious selections is actually a win in itself. Like, we've seen teams in the past not do that and they've crumpled because of it like had lebron not signed with cleveland back in 2014 then what would the Cavs have done with anthony bennett like yeah. kept trying to develop him yeah. like mm-hmm. he, they should just have gone noel and then be done with it because he was the one projected to go number one at the time so man yeah i agree with the lakers they 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 may not win. yeah
1: that's a that's a good call yeah i mean there you said it well morton there is value in just taking the best prospect available and not factoring in fit which it seemed like the Sixers and Lakers did and then the Celtics kind of went haywire so sorry sorry to all the Celtics fans out there if James if you're listening it's okay buddy don't 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 jump we're here for you oh he wants to come on a
2: podcast so we should invite him this is like a public invitation to James to come on and talk about Boston. yeah, just
1: rant for like yeah. a full hour. He could just read his gingerbread house story.
2: Yeah, that would be perfect. <laughs> By the way, before we before we leave, I have one question to both yes. of you. Buddy Healed in New Orleans, yeah. like you you guys touched on it briefly, that that's an excellent selection. I agree as well. Like how dynamic could he be alongside Anthony Davis? That inside outside mm-hmm. combination. I have a feeling Healed is going to be one of those players who routinely knocks down 200 threes a year on high percentages. And mm-hmm. with Davis there, it gives him more space, and it gives him an option to play off of. And the fact that he's an improved ball handler, I think he could they could mix up some pick and rolls as well. I really, really dig that selection. Yeah. For New Orleans. Yep.
1: yep. Mm-hmm. I would. Yeah, I would have liked buddy. Jamal Murray there too, but there. I mean, yeah. I think he even the better fit in some regards.
3: I think. I think getting a true shooting guard because they, they with Holiday and Evans there, I think that's going to be. It's going to be a good uh, a good fit, and I think you know healed is healed is like Mort said. I think he's gonna he's gonna be the guy to to get every kick out from Anthony Davis and, and put it up, as long as Tyreek isn't you know taking the ball away from him. <laughs> and and you know it just New Orleans has a lot of questions on their roster, but at least they know they have Anthony Davis and and Buddy healed, and that's good enough for me.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that's a, that's a good place to wrap up guys. Uh, so this was, this was awesome. This was really fun. Jeff, thanks for coming on again. It's always fun to have you thanks on. Thanks for
3: having me again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll, we'll bring you back at some point when the bulls inevitably sign Kirk Heinrich to a three year, $30 million deal. Oh, uh, too soon.
2: Mark Karen Sulis <laughs> would be happy though. Oh yeah. <laughs> he would be thrilled.
3: <laughs> You'd hashtag be thrilled. hashtag You'd bull be support be group. Yeah, that's, we we need the support <laughs> group. To get. Derek Rose was out with Joe Kim Noah in New York last night. By the way, oh, there's there's oh, pictures yeah, right fun. there's pictures okay. online right now of him so he him partying with Noah last night in New York. So, you know, hey, you guys want to go to good. New York? That's fine. Enjoy. See ya.
2: Reunited <laughs> and it feels so good. That's gonna be awesome for Joe, man. Bulls East. Bull, bull, Bulls East, Bulls East, and uh, Brian. Happening. Brian, I hope I didn't get you into too much trouble last night. Put putting the Derrick Rose and the Bulls jersey or Nick's jersey on your oh, on your yeah. Facebook wall. I know your wife is a huge yeah. Rose fan. I hope you didn't break things in your in your in your house.
1: No, I was going to bring her on today, but she is now sworn a blood feud against <laughs> you. So she's she she will not be making an appearance on this podcast. No, hopefully. My wife is a big Bulls fan, and we're going to try to get her on in the next couple weeks to talk about the D-Rose thing. But until then, this was the NBA podcast. Uh, check out bballbreakdown.com for a bunch of draft recap stuff. We're going to have a lot of good offseason content as well. Once free agency ramps up, we're doing a five-question series, kind of previewing the biggest issues every team faces heading into the offseason. Uh, you can check Jeff out at Twitter at JFEY5. Uh, check us out at the NBA Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, find us on iTunes. Please leave us reviews. Um, until then, guys, it's been real.